The Wiser Podcast, conversations, public talks, and audio essays from the WITS Institute for Social and Economic Research. Hello, I'm Cizwe Mpofu-Walsh, and welcome back to The Wiser Podcast. Ruth Sachs is a visual artist, scholar, author, and a fellow at Wiser. In this podcast, she explores the visual remainders and reminders of Kinshasa's independence. Zaire is happy and proud to contribute to civilization, something strong and original. It's authenticity. This is a quote by Mobutu Sese Seko in 1975, during the era of authenticity in post-independence Kinshasa. I think it gives an impression of the buoyant mood of the time. It is the built remains of this moment that I'm going to discuss today. My focus is on the futuristic buildings that remain from Mobutu's reign, in the capital of the country today known as the Democratic Republic of the Congo, and I'm going to refer to it as the Congo. The Mobutu regime was the first government after independence in 1960 to be able to pursue major construction projects and cultivate a post-colonial culture. I will describe one of Mobutu's state sites in Kinshasa today, a massive landmark known colloquially as Tour de l'Echangeur, meaning Tower of the Exchange, which is commonly shortened to the Exchange. I talk about the Exchange from the point of view of its current day situation, which is a state of continual disrepair and reconstruction. I talk about the degree to which the site speaks back to its origins, as well as what the building itself has to say within the city. The last time I visited the site was in 2015, when I arranged to use one of its elevated round rooms as a venue for a Global South Arts Conference. The scholars and artists, most of whom had never experienced the site up close, got a sense of some of the ambitions and failures of the legacy of an iconic time. This was the era of retour à l'authenticité, meaning recourse in authenticity. The time of authenticity came about after Mobutu took control of the Congo in 1965, at which point he renamed the country Zaire. In the relative state of stability and economic buoyancy that lasted until 1974, he established his own brand of autocratic patronage in the built environment and the arts. Part of his process in amassing political power was bound up in developing a national culture. This was ostensibly to counteract the damage done by colonial oppression. Elements of traditional African culture, which had formerly been used by colonial rule to encourage and separate tribal allegiances, was now implemented as a binding force for the new nation. One example of the state-organized public culture was a specific dress code for men who wore the abacost and women who wore the pagne. European names were done away with and replaced by African ones. This recourse to tradition was also the complement to a modernizing drive, evident in the modernist state architecture of the Mobutu early years. New towers like the Exchange, stadiums and more ushered in military law and everyday culture was tightly controlled. Harsh policing, public executions 
and the disappearing of citizens prevailed. As Mobutu's rule progressed and was threatened, the culture of fear was amplified. The Congolese economy, already devastated by colonial and neo-colonial extraction, further deteriorated. In 1974, copper prices dropped, and this, combined with the effects of the regime's particular modes of nationalization, high taxation, and government corruption, rendered everyday life a struggle for the average Congolese citizen. With an intensifying backdrop of private hardship and ebbing public morale, the exchange came into use in 1974. Building on the massive edifice began in 1970, but has never been officially completed. The site was designed by Franco-Tunisian Olivier Kakoub, who also produced prestigious state landmarks elsewhere in Africa. Kakoub did not include any distinctive element in this brutalist design that speaks directly to authentic Congolese culture or aesthetic traditions. However, the towering form is such a prominent feature in the city skyline that it is generally used as the icon of the city and is dubbed Kinshasa's Eiffel Tower. I think the exchange says a great deal about the kind of city that the citizens of the new nation were invited to believe in. This towering structure marks the major traffic exchange of Boulevard Lumumba, from which it garners its nickname. Its tower of four enormous concrete poles reaches into the air at a height of 210 meters. The columns emerge from a curving base of ramps, domes, and outlines of garden terraces. Rounded architecture at the tower's base and curved platforms can easily be imagined as space stations in sci-fi imagery. Initially intended as a museum and monument to former Prime Minister Patrice Lumumba, in whose murder Mobutu played a part, the site was used as a military base and prison for much of its existence. It has also always been a radio mast for the nearest airport. At most times of the day, the major traffic artery surrounding it is heavily congested. Non-stop traffic and nearby construction work generates debris, dust and fumes that hang over mostly empty grounds. The site is accessible as the Museum of Contemporary Art and Multimedia. Visits to the museum's temporary exhibitions are arranged by appointment only and guards escort guests through the grounds. I believe the idea to use the exchange as a police base was not arbitrary. The exchange's ambitious scale ensures that it is imposing as it looms above the comparatively flat vastness of the surrounding city. It is visible from very far away. But its concrete mass suggests a menacing watchtower more than a monument. Up close, the site has an eerie quality. The exchange is separated from the dense residential area of Limite in which it is located. Its vacant terraces are visibly affected by pollution. Moss and damp stains grow around tiles and empty water features, while the grass and shrubs are neatly clipped. What was intended as the main entrance is boarded up, and the walkway intended to stretch across the city ends abruptly with the site's perimeter. The grounds are dominated by the tower's dizzying height. Once within the museum, space is constricted, sharp edges and coarse surfaces inside the tower halls and passageways are rough on the skin. Neither celebratory nor easily accessible to the general public, the site hovers in an ambiguous state. To me, 
the audacity of the design represents a hollow remainder of an African supercity that never came to be. Not only does it not support the average city dweller, but it also literally is not supported by the city's infrastructure. There's no electricity to power a lift to the top of the radio tower, and all electricity for the fledgling museum is provided by generators. Despite being a remainder of a regime of extreme violence and excess, the tower stands tall. Unlike Mobutu's palaces, sites like the Exchange are not in ruins. Other state sites from the time of authenticity are conspicuous in Kinshasa. Like the exchange, they tend to be extravagant in design while also showing obvious signs of stress and wear. The CNRT Tower, home to the National Radio and Television Network, is a shooting glass curve reaching 22 stories high. Close to the city center, the skyscraper still houses the National Broadcasting Corporation but many parts of the tower are vacant. Its glass is cracked and dirty, and one of the recording studios still sports bullet holes from an incident in 1993 when the network was held hostage. There is the former presidential park on Mount Galima, once famous for its zoo, exotic gardens, and mass concerts. Today, its sculpture garden and lookout views are strictly out of bounds those parts that remain accessible are the grounds of the temporary site of the National Museum, also an authenticity remnant. The garden is lush with overgrowth, and guards have grown maize for subsistence around the empty cages of the former zoo. These and other state sites all have a similarly strange quality of neglect and partial upkeep. To give a sense of the strangeness, Kinshasa is the third largest metropolis in Africa and is set to overtake Lagos and Johannesburg. Over 70% of its estimated 12 million inhabitants are not formally employed. It is a sprawling city, dominated by informal systems and structures that expand over municipal boundaries. Empty land gets used, and only the most wealthy can maintain the upkeep of spacious grounds. For me, the strangeness of authenticity sites like the exchange is not so much its extraordinary design, but its empty silence. As the surrounding suburb teems with life, dusty pavilions, clipped lawns, and empty fountains are still. The city that overflows at its sides is a removed hum. In describing Mobutu's sites, I do not use architecture as a metaphor for the state that commissioned it. I'm not convinced it's possible for state architecture to ever fully represent a government. Plans and construction are the result of negotiation between an architect's vision of what the minister dealing with the new site wanted and what is practically possible. What I do believe is that all built forms have a politics or an ideology, regardless of whether they were intentionally placed there by an architect or designer. I believe the surrounding city has much to do with what the sites come to represent. So, what is the exchange saying about its past and present? And what can this major Kinshasa icon, dislocated from everyday urban activity, tell? The tower is not only still standing, but constantly returned to as a space for a future leisure facility and seemingly continuously under construction. There are always workers on the premises, mostly on the tower, 
while other parts of the site are visibly degrading. This seemingly perpetual state of disrepair and reconstruction suggests it holds something for the contemporary city beyond a usable base structure. I think that the sheer scale and ambition of the exchange and the other sites still hold something of the moment of their making. Alongside the terror from the time of authenticity, there was also something to be proud of. In the moment of authenticity, when culture was invested in and flourished, when Muhammad Ali fought the rumble in the jungle, individuals could separate themselves from past degradations and feel like being Congolese was something strong, something powerful, that being Congolese was enough. Mobutu's legacy was to manipulate a sense of patriotic agency that can still be activated by the sight of permanent spectacles such as the Tower of the Exchange. As the silhouettes of Mobutu's partly empty towers still dominate Kinshasa, I wonder what partial decay and reconstruction awaits the smart cities and floating cities already on the way across the globe. <laughs> <laughs>